Hussein, you've only gone and done it again. I am back on my bullshit. Yes. Um, <laughs> how do I explain this? Okay. So as the listeners will know, I'm in New York still for another week and it was two in the morning and I was very awake. So as normal people do, I went on Twitter um, and I just came up with something really stupid. So I tweeted out, um, I love to be a doctor. Um, I'll find the tweet now. One second. I love, I love being a doctor and whispering the verses of the Quran into the ears of white babies and therefore making them Muslim. The hospital I work for knows that I have been doing this for years, but can't strike me off because they are scared of being called racist. <laughs> uh, so I, I tweeted it out and it kind of got some moderate engagement. I kind of, I, so the reason why I wasn't really that bothered by it initially was because this follows the exact same format as the soup tweet. Um, mm-hmm. and for it's everyone, the same tweet. It's the same tweet. It's like, it's like a Spider-Man reboot, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's the soup tweet reboot, right? It's just, it's just, it's the same thing with like a slightly sexier, sexier characters. Um, and it makes less sense than like the original. Um, yeah, instead of Tommy Robin soup, it's St. Tommy's hospital. Right, right, right. So I woke up, I woke up and obviously like it's like 2 PM or something at that time in the UK, but like, it's just sort of blown up and it's blown up with people who like generally know that, okay, it's a joke and it's very funny, but there were obviously people who got extremely mad about it. So with the, <laughs> with the soup tweet, with the soup tweet, we got people like David Vance and Paul Joseph Watson and all the kind of like conservative yeah. dipshits like mad. Entry right? level. Entry um, level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this time, this time the people who are mad are <laughs> generally more unhinged. They come from a internet subculture called uh, QAnon. I'm not sure if you've heard of them before. <laughs> you're you're going to be in every conspiracy theory from now right. on. So I am now like, on. I'm now on one of QAnon's biggest Instagram pages, where they've <laughs> where they've, um, they've where they've captured the tweet and they've said liberalism won't stop here. Question, um, and then it says in like big capital letters, "Are you angry yet?" And then I read like the po- <laughs> and then I read the comments underneath, and it's just unhinged. It's like people like, "Oh my god, he's Satan!" Or, "Yeah, I'm gonna go find his hospital. I'm gonna go find the hospital he works in and show him my gun lathered in bacon grease." Like we should defer to Hussein here because he is a doctor now. <laughs> yes, yes, I yeah, I'm I'm officially a doctor. <laughs> Hello and welcome back again to your free TF. It's almost time for Christmas. I can hear those sleigh bells ringling, jing, jing, jingling too. Uh, I am Riley. You may remember me from every previous episode. (laughs) I asked myself the same question. That that is Hussein (laughs) in New York. This is so off practice. That was Milo in California. That earlier, <laughs> that earlier was Nate in studio. Uh, can, can we just clarify for a second that, as far as I'm aware, you guys are still in the caliphate of Tower Hamlets, where Christmas was banned several years ago by the Sharia police. Um, and even saying that word can mm-hmm. get us shut down, get our building demolished, um, and more importantly, we'll get all our streetwear stolen again. Well, we have a white noise generator in here. Uh, it, hasn't yet, it hasn't yet been banned because I know white people are canceled. But uh, <laughs> The white noise generator just slowly plays articles uh, from Quillette. 
and we have as our guest today, uh, Sarah Manavis. Apparently, you say it like you're tipping your fedora at your phone. Yeah, exactly. Sarah, Nobody has ever welcome. said that to me. <laughs> Sarah is the digital culture writer at The New Statesman. How are you doing? You know, I'm just so unhappy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's, that's pretty a, that's the, a, the a, usual. A, a feeling that we recognize. Hey, baby, this guests. is digital culture. <laughs> Unfortunately, Milo's right. Um, look, so if we all want to stop doing podcasts, I was figuring I could find us some other other lines of work. And fortunately, I, I've come across this, a, a job description uh, from WeWork, which is, uh, if listeners don't know, an office space company that tries to make it your home and I think lets you skateboard inside in some places. Um, WeWork is seeking a deputy editor to work closely with content leadership to create storytelling about the future of work, WeWork, and its members through editorial content that engages, informs, delights, and inspires on a global scale. Yikes. Yeah, well, I, won't for I, I, would, I would also is say a trip that to Dignitas. <laughs> I would also say too that we got a chance to read some of that delightful content, and who oh boy is it? Well done, extremely good, extremely deserving of the uh, the, the, the the demands <laughs> they want to place on this editor. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that before we, we go into reading. Well, I'm I'm going to finish up the job description here because okay. who oh boy is it ever a job description for what appears to be an editor for some office space? Um. <laughs> Through thoughtful and well-reported storytelling, WeWork aims to establish itself as a trusted must-read resource on the way we work now and will in the future. The deputy editor will generate, assign, and edit cover stories, features, news stories, perspective pieces, and franchises for all of WeWork's editorial properties, including the digital magazine creator and the WeWork blog. In case you're one of those people who gets to work in the morning and you're like, wait, but how do I work? And then you quickly check the WeWork magazine so you don't look like an idiot. <laughs> that's that's it, right? I like to be honest, like I'm sitting here like and I don't really understand what the service that WeWork provides is. Like I, I don't understand like who is like like I get like having a fucking host of office spaces, but I'm not like who's like oh shit it's like we need a neon sign provider yeah that says like a motivational quote and like fucking like bright pink and i don't really understand like how that then generates like a blog that gets more than like 10 views an article yeah i mean the idea that you need a reporting platform for WeWork. it's like what if your landlord had a newspaper it's like well <laughs> yeah exactly well, he does already it's called the spectator but like, <laughs> I, I, I can read that i don't need to read this thing <laughs> We work refused to shop at Binky. You know, there's lots of questions about publishing. For example, do shaving companies really need magazines? Do people really need to get paid for them? Who knows? <laughs> um, but I, I, it's sort of like this, there's this bigger question about like what is the value of WeWork and like this is a question that has come up on our show like several times. And really what it is is the value of WeWork in theory comes from real estate. It's a property company. So, you know, um, based on like things are based on things that we've talked about and also just like things that I've been looking into in regards to WeWork. One of the big issues is that like the culture component of WeWork is kind of separate to what it actually is. If WeWork like completely goes bust, the value is still in the property. But the problem is obviously like that, that value, that property value isn't distributed to everyone. Right. So you've got like this big infrastructure of people trying to kind of uphold this very weird sort of office, open style office, family culture of which like they don't actually benefit from if the company goes like, you know, goes tits up. And I think that's really where 
that's really where the discussion should be. It's like not, you know, what are we building, but what happens if this company fails? Like who are the people who end up walking away with money and who are the people who end up walking away not only without a job, but just like with a ton of wasted time as well. And like doing this, you know, this whole like, um, magazine or like blog for like WeWork is really just like an extension of trying to build like a mythos around this place to kind of mask the fact that like it doesn't actually contribute anything other than you know um, big venture capital based property acquisition in like large like major cities. You know what it is? I figured out what WeWork is. It's just the real life. Um instantiation of uh the movementarians from the simpsons that's that's literally what it is you might you might want to explain yeah because I, so I, I don't know I'm not quite as school up on simpsons lore as you are okay it's uh when when homer homer joins the cult and he keeps like finding uh and it has the leader and and everyone ta- and they sort of they they sit down around a table they sing a fun song about how great the leader is and then they get promised that they're going to get taken to this planet called Blistonia, which is known for its high levels of bliss. At the end of the day, the leader is just a guy with a Rolls Royce who then manages to um, escape on a on a um, on a small hovercraft that's weighed down with a bunch of bags of money. Well, I guess the thing for me is also like. It- if you're trying to start a business you know, or you're trying to like you want a space that you can't afford like in a major sort of real estate environment like you might want to rent an office space or a desk and it's like but you shouldn't have to be subjected to like vegan lifestyle brand stuff just to sit at a desk and pay rent all day and i think the thing about it is that, that gets me too is is it like this being an, yet another way of amplifying that influence like does anybody actually enjoy going to a WeWork space any more than they would enjoy going to a normal office space, i.e. not at all because it's work? And also, does anyone really enjoy being in an open office? Because I know that all the times I've worked in open offices, it's been really bad. And so I think to myself, like, what what is it about WeWork that would you, anyone would want to read this? I think that brought to your point, like, Sarah, what who's going to read this? And how, is it really going to be more than like the shareholders or whomever, the investors at WeWork? Is this libel... Or is we is we were good question <laughs> literally just like a Ponzi scheme? Yeah, I mean, I and also the thing too is that we see it because we're here in a space that's like a a, a rent by the office kind of like co work space for startups. You can see how like that mythos like permeates so much of the startup culture. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's it, like, de- it definitely like it it's definitely kind of frightening. It definitely permeated when we had the acid sink. Um, <laughs> when, 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 when we when we got the acid sink, that's when I thought to myself, "Damn, guys, we made it." Finally, uh, so I'll carry on. We uh, block. The role demands creativity, big ideas, energy, dynamism, and a positive attitude also. Uh, he or she must be an excellent writer and editor, highly organized and detail-oriented, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, here, what I really, really like, like the responsibilities is, you know, generate assigned features, brainstorm story formats, um, blah, 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 blah. Fine. We don't care about that. The qualifications are where shit gets wild. <laughs> What do, what do you guys think? The I mean, you guys all know uh, the first qualification: minimum of ten years' experience in an editorial role. Uh, so like, I am just so fucking baffled by that because I'm like, in what other? Like, I know we all know this. Like, what other role would you be in for ten years where you'd be like, oh, holy fucking shit? You know what the next step in my career is? Is being like the head of fucking WeWork magazine WeWork. or whatever the hell, or the WeWork blog? Yeah. Um, but I just like I'm wondering like who are the actual like I'm like would I be interested to see 
is who the actual people that apply for this end up yeah. being. Like, what blogs are they currently running? Like, what shit sure. corporate blogs is the pool from which the candidates well, yeah. are coming? I mean, I honestly feel like, though... Oh, should we apply? <laughs> <laughs> is that for people who are, who are in journalism and are just dealing with the instability of journalism careers, like, I could totally see someone being like, well, it's a corporate communications job. That, that at least promises a certain degree of stability and also, like, a relatively low threshold for quality of work output. But yeah. the thing about it is that, to me, I think that what makes it more alarming is that we were business model, there isn't really ever a point at which it's going to become stable or profitable. At some point, there's either going to be a lack of demand for tenants or there's just, they're just going to run out of investor money to, to buy up what... I mean, in New York, they run like a health club in one of their properties, yeah. like among other things. Like it's, And it's not even a bad gym. That's the crazy thing. Like I've seen the gym. Like it... It's but money's got to come from somewhere, and it's like at some point, like if working in this, like this seems as though they're going to want to attract someone who wants to make the transition into corporate communications. Oh. But it's like you know where the money comes from. It comes from the Saudis. The Saudis, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, no, this no, is no. this is the Saudis are like it's this is the thing. It's like the same. The, some of the same people who are like funding ISIS are also funding WeWork. I was gonna say the, 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 what it doesn't say in that job qualification uh, is periodically you have to visit. The are ter- you allowed the, to fucking keep that in? I was gonna say per- periodically you have to just make visits to the Saudi consulate. You may not come back from them. You don't know for a fact, but no, it's like it's, it's, it's part of the job. It's like it, you have I'm to just edit uh, WeWork's creator having blog. Having a co-working space, you have to edit edit um, uh, WeWork's creator blog, and also you have to edit Debeek. <laughs> that's the thing it's like it's all of this venture capital money the reason that we live in such a stupid world is that all of this venture capital money just basically just goes through this fire hose onto some of the dumbest yet sort of most possessed of titanic self-regard people the world has ever produced and this is the kind of of person who would say you know what my rented co-working office space needs a fucking editor a glossy magazine yeah and i'm gonna say this it's not like we're in a position to criticize people for having high sense of self-regard but this does seem like a little bit a little out there. Well, I mean, what I was going to say is like, number one, credit where credit's due. ISIS was a very successful startup funded by lots of... <laughs> <laughs> fund, funded by... Interna- they had a lot of seed capital. <laughs> funded by lots of international <laughs> venture capital. Much of it from anonymous donors, obviously. But it did leave an impact. But, you know, even though ISIS did fail in a very short amount of time, it did leave an impact on the world. It failed forward. <laughs> Me, the new jihadi Failing startup up. that's really turning so, heads. So I, wanted to, so I wanted to use my platform on this podcast to say that I'm actually writing a, book, I'm writing a new book, which is all about how ISIS could have succeeded by changing its mindset and maybe adopting more things from the Joe Rogan podcast, from the Tim <laughs> Ferriss Motivational podcast. Motivational um, If they had better editorial strategies for Dubik, for example... You know, going away yeah. from the print model and moving towards a more digitally integrated yellow beanie model way of doing things. <laughs> they were very successful at, like, you know, pushing away any attempts to unionize. Um, so there's a lot of lessons that we. The union is good. It's just not good for ISIS. <laughs> so, so, there's, so, there's, so there's lots of lessons that we can learn from the caliphate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got. I'm quick- just. Uh, I'm just imagining still the idea of uh, an ISIS WeWork space where like Abu Bakr al Baghdadi is playing table tennis with a guy in an orange jumpsuit <laughs> underneath a massive poster which says like "Live, laugh, love, be vegan." <laughs> uh, I thought the, it's the ISIS black flag, but it is just "Live, laugh, love." <laughs> well, there's a sword awesome. there too. There has to yeah. be a sword. But yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a happy it's, sword. It's a, it's a happy sword. Uh, guys, who wants to... We can fall at our happy swords when I actually read some um, an, an example of the content that WeWork puts out. 
Uh, and then we can, again, we have to remember, this is just like the biggest pot of money in the world is directing all of these resources to these people who are already the richest in history. Let's find out about what we, everyone at WeWork did at WeWork Summer Camp. Uh, <laughs> oh, God help me. At WeWork Summer Camp, 8,000 people come together with a purpose. Lindsay Ruthen knows it what? sounds crazy, but her favorite part of WeWork Summer Camp 2018 was when a brief but torrential downpour flooded her tent. Does she? Does she indeed? Were all my things soaked, says Ruthen, a public relations manager at Flatiron School in New York? Yes, but I've never felt more supported by coworkers in my life. People were offering me warm clothes and blankets, helping me dry up my tent, or simply we saying, I heard what happened. Are you okay? Uh, this is this is like a dark yearbook article, like yeah. a really dark yearbook article. Well, yeah, it's like the like kid getting bullied, and it's like, oh, but it was so nice to be a part of the group. But people people <laughs> really liked me after they after like they my colleagues me. were burning me with matches, but like it felt so great to be part of a team. Well, also it's like, oh man, we work summer camp was so awesome. When all my shit, when my tent was floated, people didn't just come up and kick me and like try to take the rest of my shit or call me a wet bitch. No, they acted like basic humans. Not it was like so my inspiring. <laughs> also, the flat, I, I knew, I knew, because I, I thought I recognized it. The Flatiron School is sort of like a general assembly style sort of thing where it's like a place where you go to like get a tech career. Like you pay to take classes to like get a job doing other dumb shit like this. Yeah. So I think the Ponzi scheme comparison is kind of apt at this point because it's like a person who works in basically a Ponzi scheme, digital jobs agency is going to summer camp for WeWork. Like that sounds like Mad Libs. Wait, you know, no, no, this is totally, a, this is totally you know like what this Jordan anecdote actually is. What this, what this anecdote actually is, is the start of a recipe on the New York times uh, cooking section. Like, it, was the, it was the summer of 2017 when I was attending a WeWork summer camp and my tent became completely flooded. No, it's like, and somehow it becomes a recipe for gingerbread cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I then read this really motivational message from Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, <laughs> and it all just kind of came together. Yeah. But <laughs> so this is why the cookies have tahini in them. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the just, worst crime. <laughs> and just a touch of infidel blood that gives it that kick. <laughs> so, uh, so basically... Just what, like a mama used to make. <laughs> just, so what I, from what I can tell, We Work Summer Camp is basically just like a big private um, festival for all of the We Work staff, but where they're encouraged, it seems to sort of act like goofy, happy, overgrown children, uh, which is exactly who we want to be. Well, exactly. If they're running a Ponzi scheme, it's not like they're running anything important. I mean, it's just annoying. There was a commercial years and years ago in America about like how there was like a summer camp, like a summer reunion for Saturn owners, the weird brand of GM car Saturn. And it's like, for some reason, people all went to like a big Saturn conference where it was like, drive your Saturn, like hang out with other Saturn owners. And they made a, a commercial about this. And I was like, I remember as a kid watching this, like, why in the hell would you want to hang out with the people Are who own Saturn? Saturn? But that at least seems more normal than this. <laughs> I'd love to hang out with other Saturn owners. We I can just talk didn't about know your identity could be so tied up in your fucking Saturn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Saturn's also for, for British listeners who don't recognize the brand, Saturn sucked. They were terrible cars and they were really ugly. No, so dude, come on. I'd love to hang out with other Saturn owners. But they also weren't like <laughs> ugly enough to be like a thing. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, a fucking Saturn, like, oh, that classic shit car, which is yeah, like a GT generic Cruiser. bad they Yeah, really, exactly. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you have if you go ahead hang out with other Saturn owners, you can talk about what it's like to be a mid-level recruiter outside Des Moines. <laughs> you can talk about like, yeah, the, the one time well, you see, thought you saw Jimmy Smith's. Like, the set, the set, all the, these things are identity politics for Saturn owners. 
you can Good talk about what it's like to be a, mi- a mid-sized gas giant being orbited by layers and layers of asteroids. <laughs> I was really hoping you wouldn't that do that one. fucking horrible. Yeah, well, I was Awful. just thinking, too, that you know they don't have to have the Saturn conference anymore because uh-huh. basically all those people are on LinkedIn now and share memes. Um, and they would probably share WeWork-branded content as well as thing. being motivational. Like, I sold my Saturn. I wanted to get a car that really would have some life where the company would survive, so I bought myself a Saab. Uh... They went under. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah. right. <laughs> you know, you I know missed that Saab, series too. Apparently, Saabs are like a Saabs are like a cult thing in Russia because people were really into them, and then the company went bust, and now they're like super expensive in Russia. They're like the boy racer cars, <laughs> and everyone's trying to buy like Saabs on the black market, like off people's dads. Like, hey man, I heard you had a Saab. I'm gonna hop back into this. Uh, this is where we get. This is why I said earlier it was like that cult from The Simpsons. One of the most moving examples of community came when Augusto Contreras, a community manager at Mexico City's WeWork Reforma Latino, got down on one knee near a dodgeball tournament and proposed to his long-term girlfriend. (laughs) Dodgeball, will you marry me? (laughs) I felt like I was surrounded by my extended family, said Contreras, who has been with WeWork since January. (laughs) So people, co-workers he's known for a few months, he's decided to go for a summer camp with and proposed to his girlfriend in front of. And so is, nothing reminds me of my own family more than people throwing hard red balls at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, as is Grisisco's fiance, now wife, actually work at Rework, or was she dragged along as like family No, she and also works at Rework. Okay, because I was going to say, imagine being like an unaffiliated spouse dragged to this weird cult thing, and like, and then you don't even die after drinking Kool-Aid at the end. Like, yeah, you don't, even get, you don't even get the sweet release of death. Your tent's been flooded. Um, Here's here's where and uh, Hussein, I'm really interested to hear what your reaction is to this. Contreras says the universe seemed to be telling him that he had made the right decision. At one point, he ducked into a tent to get out of the rain. Now oh, there's that rain again. And inside is WeWork co-founder Miguel McKelvey giving a talk about the power of love. Ugh. It felt like a sign. Uh, fucking people are at this WeWork thing. Eight thousand. Oh wait, shit. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is oh, that, like, is like the 120 people are there. It's probably not that fucking weird to walk into a tent and see one of them. That's so, I mean, could you just imagine how big of a thing that would have to be? And like, yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm just uh, the scale of it. But then also that you're reminded that WeWork has offices in basically every every city on the planet. Hussein, I heard you groan yeah. when also, I talked about the power of love. Yeah, well, because number one, was, was he giving a talk about the power of love, like the concept or about the Cindy Lauper tune? <laughs> I think the concept, you know, so. So, so bear in mind that like ever since I read the twelve rules, twelve rules of life, I've realized that love is an un, it's it's an unnecessary emotion, and that you can replace it with unsalted mounds of meat. Um, <laughs> but more 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 pertinently, like you know, I don't even know how to respond to that. It's kind of just like, you know, number one, why are you, why are you giving a talk about the power of love at a party? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like you know. And and I, a party I, for an office space company. Right, right. But like, you know, were people like doing bumps at this party? Like, what, what the hell? <laughs> like, what, what was going on? Like, why would, why, why, why? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, like. What schlock? Like, the, yeah, the, the thing is. The only true emotion is jihad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it, it, you have to be bought into the, to the, and not, not explicitly like the cult, but you have to be bought into the mentality like that this is a good thing that you want to be a part of to be able to look at this and see so, if anything yeah, besides so, like, yeah. So, like, I think this weird work encroachment. I think this is, this is the thing that we were kind of talking about at the beginning, right? Which is that like the, the, the monetary value of WeWork is based in property and it's based in real estate. So, the company in theory can never fail because. So long as like the real estate market in like major cities 
is relatively solid. Like you can't really go wrong monetarily speaking. But in order to kind of get people to work in most spaces and in order to kind of keep getting that like sweet VC funding, like you need to build this kind of strange artificial culture where everyone sort of buys into it, right? Or like the people who, the people meaning of these kind of like Instagram entrepreneurs who, you know, set up fucking streetwear brands and WeWorks, like they need to buy into that culture of, oh, if I'm in this space, then not only will I be able to do business really well, but I'll be able to kind of like, you know, develop myself as a person and I'll be able to, you know, operate at like a level that is beyond every, all of my peers, which is kind of what WeWork advertise themselves as in any way, right? So, you know, so if you, if you're in a WeWork office, for example, um, I don't know if it's true now, but back you know, before, like you had to sign a contract, your part of your contract was that you would have to go to like mandatory WeWork, like um, team events and stuff like that. So like anything from like, you know, inspirational lectures to, you know, going to like work with like other companies who operate in the space. And the idea being that like, this is supposed to be just like one, you know, you know, this one kind of cultural unit where everyone exists in like sync and they're all just motivated by the same drive to, you know, uh, be really, you know, to, uh, to make their businesses like the best in the world and, you know, um, have a real big cultural impact, if that makes sense. Um, and I guess, you know, so when you kind of read this, it is really weird, but it also makes sense that the people who would go to this party are people who really believe in the WeWork message and they're the people who will post endless stuff on LinkedIn about it. Um, yeah. Oh, guys, did I tell you this just before we go back? Did I tell you the story about what happened to me on LinkedIn? Uh, oh. oh my god, wait, I fucking saw this. <laughs> wait, I think you posted about this. <laughs> right, right. It's like the funniest this is thing. Fucking great. Right, right, right. So like so I, I realized the other day that you could actually like you could just do posts to LinkedIn and I've got like over a thousand <laughs> I've got like over like a thousand people who follow me. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do something. You're saying are you shit posting on LinkedIn? Yeah, it's not shit posting, it's being inspirational. So yeah. I so, 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 so I so I posted this picture of like the inspiration of, posting of, of the of the Joker. Uh, and like a with a uh, with a watermark which had corporate bites on it, and it's like it's like this made up quote from the Joker about like look into he says look into my eyes and like uh, you can tell that I really want it right. So I posted it and I did like a bunch of hashtags like business deals inspiration motivation Monday. There's like all of it you could think of, uh, and like and I, I didn't check LinkedIn for ages. And then like the other day I look I yeah I, I look I went I went back on LinkedIn. And like, there's this guy from like an insurance company in Portland who's just like, oh, like, would you be interested in like, I saw your post, would you be interested in working here? Um, sorry, so, 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 I'm, so guys, I'm moving to Portland. Uh, uh-huh. Portland insurance just... is an agent of chaos. <laughs> just, I love insurance, Joker. That's incredible. <laughs> As a quick aside, we, we're constantly getting these things on the Slack for this this space that we're in about like invites to similar things, and it all makes sense to me now because at first I was like, "Why in the hell would I want to hang out let's with?" Let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go, let's but, go. Yeah, I guess if that's part of the if that has now become so ingrained in the sort of like startup culture that it's assumed that right. any space you rent is going to do that. And, like I understand why they would, in their own weird acid in the sink way, would want to do it. Let's go as soon as the guys are back. Let's all wait, go. Wait, wait, wait. Let's all insurance, go. insurance, Joker is the best kind. It's actually makes so much sense like he's just selling you insurance he's like a nice boat you've got there it'd be a shame if somebody blew it up but you know what you'd want would be a hefty payout to replace your boat i'm gonna i'm gonna do one more line from the we work he's thing creating and then we're gonna demand um my favorite part uh is recapping the whole weekend and and doing so um sorry i'm gonna start that again yeah, go ahead 
My favorite part is recapping the whole weekend and doing so much you forgot all the things you did, said Kalila Branch, community manager at WeWork DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. Like when I fell skating. <laughs> like when I fell skating, I forgot about that about that one, but laughed all over again, remembering. And it was like, damn, when did we skate? <laughs> I also took ketamine. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. It appeals to these daffy idiots who just can't remember what they did for like a week. And then they get back and it's like, oh, it's sweet. My office, I, I can skateboard in here. And they have free health food. Awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I wonder if insurance joker company in Portland would have similar work culture or if it would be like a particularly Pacific Northwest, like chilled out version of this that like you have to go live on live in the woods on no, your own wits. These like, people are all psychotically happy, but desperate to be seen by one another. It fucking rules. These people, no, these people are the hap. These people are all going to survive climate change because they're all going to work together and just they're, they're going to sacrifice one another to save Miguel so he can continue talking about the power of love from on top of a raft made of like human who are all delighted to be drowning for him. I will Yo, fucking lie. Like the amount Margera, of vitriol. This is my WeWork co-working space in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and we're going to be force-feeding Phil vegan raisins. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, so, no, I was just going to say that your, uh, the like, level of like not just vitriol, but the knowledge about WeWork makes it seem like you guys like tried to get a WeWork-style start. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, like, absolutely. And it really badly, and so you're just like dedicating your podcast to just fucking dunking on them. Because yeah. oh, yeah. you're like, our startup would have well, been so much better. Yeah, I me mean, exactly. Right. What most people... What most people don't realize about WeWork is that it's actually an old Scots Gaelic term, which means small work. <laughs> All right. What? I'm ready to leave Look, that not, section it's, there. It's, it's, it's not our fault that like WeWork couldn't understand the concept of a business podcast, which was basically rooted in looking at how you would distribute vials of cum. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, via refrigerated truck. We talked about this. It's a refrigerated truck. Yeah, they actually make the cum in the truck on the way it's, to you. It's, a, it's, it's, so it's fresher. It's, it, it's a refrigerated truck, which also sells... It's just a truck full of guys jacking it. No, it's a, it's a refrigerated truck. Which also sells pizza. Come on. We work. Let us be in your venue. I promise we won't start a cum delivery oh, service. Uh, <laughs> look, um, the pizza's okay. All I'm saying is don't order the pizza Bianca because uh, that ain't cheese. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, everybody. Oh, boy. I fucking hate this podcast <laughs> so We much. do, too. I told you we were cursed by a witch. <laughs> Anyway, hey, where, did, where did you guys get this pizza? Hey, it fell off a truck. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so now that we've all been put into a very strange mood by reading about what oh, appears to be a death cult, um, shall we go on to the other content? Yes, uh, please. That's a rhetorical question because we're going to. Um, Sarah, you have written recently written a piece uh, in The Statesman about uh, Tumblr making some, uh, let's say, changes. I really fucking wish that I could have just kept sitting here and letting you guys like destroy your own podcast before my eyes and me just getting to like occasionally ask questions rather than having to actually talk on this fucking thing that I've come on. Yeah. Like yeah, I really well, you're like slowly filling out your that. application for the WeWork editor job. <laughs> um yeah, no. So if you like follow the internet um tumblr as of I think I don't know when this podcast comes out, but it might be mm, by Tuesday. the time Tuesday. Okay, yes, as of Too yesterday. Often. Uh, is banning porn, um, which Shit. is a very sad loss. And to be honest, like I, I'm probably going to listen to this, but like I don't 
use Tumblr for porn, but I think a shitload of people do use mm. Tumblr for porn. Uh, and no. like just artsy titty pics. No. no. What do you know? And- Nothing. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to read I actually from use your- Pinterest for oh, porn. I-, <laughs> <laughs> I actually use YouTube for porn. <laughs> Logic porn. <laughs> So just jacking it to Jordan Peterson. (laughs) No, so Sarah, I'm going to read from your article here. Um, I'd like to stop writing the same piece over and over again, but tech companies keep making dreadful choices to alienate their users, forcing me, you, to beat this drum. It seems like until the day I die. And now here I am again writing another iteration of this article, but this time about Tumblr, uh, which has now banned porn. So what do you mean that they have that? How has this alienated their users? Uh, so I guess like with Tumblr, like a shitload of people on there, like like the thing about Tumblr is, is I think that most people who don't really use it think that Tumblr is just like we're artsy girls like go and post like sad poems or like pictures of fucking grimes like with like, you know, funky backgrounds and things like that. But like Tumblr is like a shitload of like not just porn, but like artsy, as I said, like titty pics and like nice like ass pictures with roses and stuff like that. And like, I don't even mean that disparagingly, um, despite my tone. Uh, yeah. So like, like when Tumblr then comes out and is like, oh, actually, we're going to um, just leave it to the sad poems and like artsy girl lyrics and things like that. Then everybody's like, oh, shit. Like I was using this terrible platform that doesn't really like help users do anything other than post poems and porn. And now I'm only going to have poems, which is kind of boring. So, yeah, and here we are. So now, yeah, it, it's not going to be like, I mean, to be fair, maybe it'll be like, oh, actually, no, we really got into the artsy poems. I don't mean to keep beating that. Yeah, but yeah, and it's, it's a fine line to tread because, yeah. I mean, if you go on my Tumblr and you look at the first picture, sure, it may look like a picture of a man showing you his asshole. But when you look at it very closely, <laughs> tattooed around his asshole is actually a rupee core poem about how everything's her ex-boyfriend's fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the Tumblr worlds collide. <laughs> so was was there was there uh, any like stated justification like why they would want to do this? I mean, I think it's like the idea, and it's and this is the thing is like I've been writing a lot about porn and like jizz for the new statesman lately. <laughs> the, 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 the very, 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 very on brand podcast that you're on. Then. Yeah. So, and like everybody's like, Oh, are you the porn lady now? And I'm like, I fucking guess. But um, yeah, I guess they're like, Oh, there are a lot of kids on this website. So maybe we shouldn't have like tattooed assholes on it. Um, but there are a know. lot of kids on Google. I was going to say well, that. And I mean, also like, I'm like Twitter, like Twitter, fucking, yeah. yeah. Like if you followed Ted Cruz a year ago, <laughs> like you would have had like Ted Cruz like this and some fucking like, you know 9-11 never forget exactly well and that's the thing i guess i'm a christian conservative which is why my kids are only allowed to follow ted cruz (laughs) i can't (laughs) see this going wrong so the actual rule the actual uh, sorry no we we were actually in in something good here i was Um, i was just thinking about yeah about you mentioned twitter that twitter twitter manages only it seems to like clean up certain things when they've been really publicly shamed for it but porn never seems to be on their radar even though twitter if i'm correctly twitter's rules actually expressly prohibit porn like in people's avatars or being shared on the platform and they just never enforce that whereas it seems like tumblr that twitter is also famous for other things like nazis whereas tumblr like it really was what you're describing it's like arguments about (laughs) stuff that angela nagel thinks turns you into a nazi and uh gender stuff and then um lots of porn and like porn animated gifs uh, but 
it, to me, I'm just wondering, like, did they were, did they decide they were going to enforce something or did they actually change their rules and say, well, no, it's completely... So this is like the other beautiful element of this band, which is like a classic, like all of them fucking try to do this. And then it just goes like horrifically wrong, even beyond the fact that it like, even if we're going to go like as a business decision, it's a bad idea. Um is like they don't, they obviously have like an algorithm where they like put in a boob and they were like, if you recognize this boob formation, that is a boob. Do not let that, like, do you see the areola? Like, please get rid of this content. So like now people are posting like, that, like the stuff that's been marked as like, bad content yeah and it'll be like a fucking mannequin head or like you yeah. know like a naked mannequin and it's got like a little bit of a dick bulge and so they're like and then tumblr's like oh this is porn this is porn yeah but if matt mcgory comes in and you put his nipples on the pictures then it's totally fine <laughs> that, that, that's not against you you you, you remember that right I fucking but know this. Matt Such McCory, a reference. That was a great reference. He was weird, and he was like, he just decided he was the male that, feminist guy. That he, right? The male, the really, really, yeah, over like he's like, I'm an aggressive male feminist, and he was like, well, if you, uh, if your nipples are censored on Tumblr or somewhere, he's like, you can just use, you can Photoshop in photos of my nipples from when I was a bodybuilder. Here are all my shirt, shirtless pics, and it was just the weirdest sort of like, I suppose your heart's in the right place, but you're insane. No, that's such a great way to carry off that one specific fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Disembodied. <laughs> I'm just like I want my nipples on what every yeah. woman. My yeah. nipples. I want every woman to have my nipples. That's my specific fetish. The Tumblr porn ban has given me the perfect avenue to carry this out. If I actually have Matt, the text of Matt the rule change, traveling around town in the back of a van, jacking it to pictures of chicks <laughs> with his nipples. So I've got the actual rule change here. Um, it's all images, videos, or gifts that show real life human genitals or female presenting nipples. So that's why he was saying, you can use my human genitals. Well, yeah, but that's just, I don't know. That, uh, the more I learn about Tumblr, the more I'm like, you're, you're literally cutting off the one loyal user base you have. He also, the, the CEO Wait, so this also means noted, that we can, we can post the Yu-Gi-Oh! Dragon Dick guy because that's not a real life human genital. <laughs> Oddly enough, yeah, though, well, that's allowed because well, those are male presenting nipples. Yeah, because it's artsy. Yeah, actually, there is an exception for content that is artistic, educational, newsworthy, or political content featuring nudity. And Yu-Gi-Oh! Dragon Dick is all of those. Yeah, it's I, political I wonder, content for sure. <laughs> the, some of the rumors being floated were that it was done as a business decision because uh, Oath, the new holding company that controls it, felt they couldn't sell ad space next to pornography. But you're saying it actually probably wasn't a, a business decision, or if it was, it was oh, a yeah. dumb one. Porn sites famously devoid of ads. <laughs> I can never remember seeing an ad on a porn site. Yeah, but that's the thing is like, it, it like so not only, or at least like Yahoo, which I think owns Tumblr now, they were like, oh, our user base is up 40% and like, oh, like we haven't had any issues. Like sales aren't down. Sales are only going up. So like it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be preceded mm -hmm. by any like other than just like if they were like, oh, we want to sell more and we think this is like the fucking squeaky wheel in Tumblr mm. that needs fixing. Like, yeah, it, yeah like. I don't think it is preceded by anything. I think that everything seems to be going like just fine for them. And there are plenty of weird things on Tumblr, or like at least like on Tumblr, there's porn that's like child porn. Like we really want to get into oh, it and like, sake. like really bad shit like that. And like but that's suitable porn. for children. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it so all it's boils like, down to what's suitable for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, A like big the hairy fact that traumatizing. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Sarah, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, to fucking just end this yes it um it doesn't seem to be like i guess it could be an odd thing but i i mean 
it doesn't they don't have a need for that at least like because so, it would make sense when you think I, about twitter like twitter had a hard time selling because they, they were unable to sell to like i think it was to disney wasn't it because mm-hmm. they they have so many problems with basically if they banned all the nazis and they banned the people that were that were trading porn or sharing porn publicly they would lose such a huge amount of their user oh, base this is in their annual report they call them very important tweeters and so, yeah, the VITs. So they, so basically, their key metric for their company's valuation goes down with every high-profile Nazi they ban. So they don't ban the high-profile Nazis. They, they, they avoid it if they can. Wait, so, but would their, like, very important tweeters then also be things like at Squirters vid? <laughs> I mean, probably gets a lot of traffic. Like, spe- spe- speaking of Squirters vid, um, the... The a famous segue on yes. the show. So the thing, the thing I kind of also wanted to highlight was the fact that like this Tumblr porn tends to be different from like Pornhub porn, right? Like Tumblr porn tends to be now you can't be universalized on the basis of a platform, but it seems that people are sort of saying this was a place where people could explore alternative sexualities. It was generally considered sort of safer, and it, there were some elements of, of it that with were Matt McGarry's nipples on them. <laughs> some elements of it that were more like female friendly, etc. Is there any credence to that? I mean, I think there is like at least anecdotally. Like I do think like a lot of people were upset because they're like, oh, Tumblr porn was like, you know, like very sweet, wholesome gifts or it wasn't all just like women just like getting fucking slammed from behind like as hard as they fucking can. Like, yeah. and so <laughs> like, and not that that's all fucking porn hub. That's actually but, but, like, yeah, but, but, I mean, I, I, <laughs> the more tame. <laughs> I had seen people who are sex workers or people that, that do like their, I, I can't remember what the name of the platform is, but basically it's like a, a way that people do, it's like a Patreon for, for yes, porn. Yes, exactly. And they were complaining about the fact that the Tumblr was actually a really good venue for them to share things like as like teaser kind of stuff to get more clients, well, get exactly. more subscribers. Like, so Avery Edison, who's like a trans woman who is really big on Twitter. She like sells essentially like, like she'll send you for 10 pounds I think like 10 titty pics essentially um and she was saying like how fucking glad she was that she wasn't using tumblr for that because so many people were and yeah. now it's like your whole business like literally yeah it's like your patreon has just been closed down yeah. and like there's no alternative yeah, yeah I was just thinking about that like, if, if you if, if a, a platform if, if tomorrow patreon comes out and they're like sorry no more irony podcasts well so much for our so much for our studio we're back to your living room Riley you know it's like oh, one of those no. it, it, so you are so dependent on a platform and I mean, it didn't seem, I mean, Tumblr wouldn't necessarily be monetized, but certainly like if you had a big following, that's how you would get people and get people's attention. And so it's like for that to just go away all of a sudden, it, it seems like it reminds me of like Facebook changing its video algorithm and all of a sudden these literal content factories that were formed around sharing Facebook content go bankrupt overnight because all of a sudden they can't share videos. Yeah, exactly. So I think what if we've Patreon learned Patreon closes down, let's that... be real. We'll move the podcast into a van moving around the city constantly. <laughs> <laughs> we make the podcast for you while you wait. <laughs> so I, I think what we can learn here is tech companies should really only ban Nazis. Stop banning Nazis. Well, I mean, I don't even know if you have to like reduce it to a, to a rule, but it does seem like... Introducing, doing that to transition to the next Of segment. course, yeah. <laughs> but, but they do seem... I mean, I, I don't know. Sarah, you, you having reported on this, do you feel like... Do you feel like there was enough of a problem that they had to tamp down on this and solve it or was it just like an arbitrary decision well and this is like why i wrote that like opening line that riley quoted it's like they all have these like massive problems like tumblr i like i will admit i'm not as like well versed on like the niches of Mm -hmm. why tumblr what tumblr needs fixing and stuff um but like with all of these fucking companies like even like paypal twitter facebook like they're like again they'll like find like the tiniest nichest thing that might like have some elements that are problematic yeah. or like in a news headline to like a fucking mom, they'll be like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. No more porn. Super. My kid loves that shit posting website. And so then they're able to say like, okay, 
oh, we're doing this good thing, even though like there's a massive problem they actually have that yeah. would make their users happy. Like it really doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just like people being cowards if we're going to be like entirely unironic about it. Mm. Well, no, I mean, uh, that's, I, I'm sorry so, to I cut your segue right. No, I was no, going to say, just, I think that's, that's a good place to transition into the uh, YouTube, most hated YouTube video in history, which I think is another excellent example of these tech companies just fundamentally not understanding their, what their users want and what it is that they do. So uh, for a little background, uh, YouTube Isn't released the most its rewind. YouTube video in history, the Poopsie yeah, Surprise Yeah, it is. It's the most downvoted ever. Yes. Which is then probably dethrones that Rick Perry ad no, from it's, 2012. Uh, it's, Baby. it's Baby by Justin Bieber. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Baby had accumulated its uh, 8 million or so downvotes over years. If it's YouTube- like, yeah, it like smashed it. Yeah. That song is incredible, though, because of the, ludic- <laughs> of, like, of, of the ludicrous rap, like in the middle of that song is like one of the best... It's like one of the one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. Just because, like, so at the time when this was when Justin Bieber was like a pop singer and not just like, can we like do an episode about Justin Bieber one day? Because I think like I'm just so fascinated by his transformation right now and how like he's gone from he's gone from this like you know this pristine looking like pop star who was supposed to become like you know or who was supposed to be I guess what Sean Mendes is now and now all he does is just like hang out with Post Malone and he looks like a he looks like someone who definitely listens to Chapo or like listens to like I'm, or who would listen I'm to I'm very us. excited I'm very excited for uh Justin Bieber to like start hanging out with Adam 22 I think that's <laughs> going to be pretty cool so so the YouTube video was downvoted massively in effect this uh, most unpopular YouTube vi- unpopular YouTube video in history uh, I think does demonstrate this tech companies don't understand their user base and they don't understand what they want they don't understand what they do because the YouTube rewind is where they make a video and they commission it to have all of sort of the year's most popular and influential creators come together and make something to make some review of what was what happened in that year it's usually a relatively anodyne affair because what people don't realize is that everything on youtube is actually recorded onto one massive vhs tape and at the end of each year they have to rewind it before replacing it with a new one (laughs) um so what but what was sort of notable about this about this video why it was so relentlessly downvoted i mean hussein you've got some theories about this i have some theories i've got some theories um okay so uh this was like completely expected and what it i think what it ultimately shows is what youtube would like to think it is and what it actually is so the rewind video of 2018 is kind of just showcases some of like the platform's biggest creators but also like their most kind of milk toast content creators so like guys like casey neistat um, who's who I met a few weeks. I, 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 I think I mentioned this on another show, but yeah, I went to his work. You did, yeah. You, we can listen I to I went that. to his weird YouTube previous party. episode. Um, and actually, no, the weird YouTube party is actually very indicative of like what, you know, this conversation because for them, like these are people who really believe in the platform as kind of like this way of this kind of like sense of like non-political empowerment. So like for YouTube, like they want to just hang out with filmmakers. So they want to hang out with guys like Casey who just make films about their everyday lives, um, which resonate with like, you know, millions of people every day. Or there's like, you know, there were some other guys who were on that video who were also at that party and they like make cooking videos and stuff like that. So these are kind of like the feel good YouTube, you know, 
you know, do you know like the YouTube of like maybe I don't know like 2010, right? Where you would go on because like you know you just wanted to procrastinate and you wanted to watch like the Rebecca Black Friday video, um, you know, and everything was just like fun and games. The latest Tayo Cross musical right. release. <laughs> um, but now, like YouTube is so much bigger, right? Because YouTube encompasses pretty much like everything we know about like streaming services and online television and. You know, so the people who were like downloading these videos were um, a different generation of YouTubers. They were people who, you know, um, they, you know, believe that guys like Casey Neistat and like Lily Singh and stuff are kind of representative of this like social justice warrior class of people on the platform who YouTube will automatically prioritize because they're not problematic, while at the same time they will deplatform. Um, you know, cool new YouTubers like Stefan Molyneux and his race and, 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 and his race science theories, or like you know, fucking Richard Spencer and all his like all his acolytes. Um, well, that's 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 the one that's the one thing, right? Like this whole uh, YouTube rewind was a group of YouTubers who no one's ever heard of, um, except for Ninja, who isn't a YouTuber but does rule, uh, sitting around a campfire talking about how they've been empowered to learn and create and try new things, or whatever, all that dumb shit. But really, if they did want to have it be representative of the platform as it is, Stefan Molyneux should have been there with calipers measuring <laughs> all of their skulls. Well, this is the thing. We've talked about this before, but it's like it's like that time when I fell asleep watching a YouTube video and I woke up and like I woke up to like a fucking Ben Shapiro video. It was a Joe Rogan show, but with Ben Shapiro on. Um, God's irrational. And, and when I tweeted this out, I had like a bunch of people message and like you know um, respond by saying, "Oh yeah, this has happened to me too, right?" Well, like within like five videos um, on YouTube, like because of this algorithm, I end up like watching Jordan Peterson shit, or I end up watching like Sargon of Akkad and stuff like that, right? These kind of you know um, you know what you call it like these classical liberal people who um, believe that like all of politics is really just about you know the right to say the n word. Um, you know, in in public, and you know, you know, stuff like that, right? Like things that we talk about—the real freedom of speech, <laughs> like stuff we talk about yeah, here. All the, the only time. freedom of speech that counts for them. And if you think about it, like so much of YouTube culture is revolved around those people. So when we talk about YouTube, for example, these days we're not really talking about Casey Neistat. We're not really talking about like Lily Singh and like these kind of vlogger types. What we're really talking about are these dangerous, you know, these dangerous fucking race realists who are using the platform to get kids to kind of, you know, to get kids to kind of think that being racist is actually really, really rational. Um, you know, and... So well as I'm not a race pessimist. So, I'm a race realist. And, 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 so, and, and the problem is, is that like YouTube, like lots of other tech platforms are completely like, they don't really want to address this problem. So what they say is that, you know, they give lots of platitudes along the lines of, oh, we're trying to kind of like, you know, stamp out hate speech on the platform and we'll try to like, you know, demo- we'll demonetize people and stuff like that, but they've never really kind of confronted the fact that they've created this system which, in which, like, these people can basically game the algorithm to get, like, massive amounts of exposure in a way that, like, the platform was not ready for. So what they would rather do instead is kind of go back to a time when everyone loved YouTube and YouTube was all about cat videos and, you know, epic mealtime and stuff like that. So it's Zoella's advent calendar, but inside the t- December 24th uh, cupboard is actually a Schutzstaffel medal. <laughs> oh, I think you're forgetting that there were only 12 days in the Zoella advent calendar. Yes. <laughs> See, I think the joke went so the far over my from, head. But I, I, was, I was thinking about the this cat because... from the cat jumping over the gate video is now having a race science podcast. 
<laughs> I was just thinking about this, it, not as much with YouTube, but with Twitter. The people that I've encountered that actually worked at Twitter didn't use Twitter the way that people who are way too online use Twitter. And I could only imagine that the same thing is true with YouTube, that like even if there's a certain degree of like content moderation they have to perform, like the people who are who are who would be in charge or would be involved in the decision making of making a video like this, something that's like massive on the the corporate communication side for them, like probably don't realize what the, how YouTube is is d- delivered, you know, who who uses YouTube, why they use it, how they use it, like how that language works. And so in the same way that if Twitter made like the best tweets of the year from like what the people who work at Twitter think people on Twitter want to read, yeah. it wouldn't be representative. And But YouTube just seems way more vehement, way more aggressive in terms of like the kind of like anger that its fan base is able to... To, to, to materialize. If, t- if Twitter did the best tweets of 2018, Riley's stupid tweet that got like 15k retweets would be on there. That makes me really angry. Was way more than that. Wait, which, w- which what was, was that? that? Uh, I don't want to do a tweet recap on the podcast. So that's what the Nate show edit is. This out. I mean, um, at its core, that's what Riley, the show is. You read your is. tweets on the podcast and in real life all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, it was the the Babe Station. Um, it was the Babe Station uh, Remembrance Day one. Oh yeah, yeah. Where the what you call the, the oh on the base no, issue. I thought like, it was going to be the Coachella one. I thought that was all. no. That one. Look, I've got a lot of good tweets, guys. <laughs> There's just too much good content. We, we can't um, recap it all. Sorry, I, I think I think we can almost kind of we can kind of really synthesize a couple of things here, right? Which is that the same type of people who go to the WeWork summer camp are the people who are trying to decide what YouTube really means. Because WeWork doesn't mean summer camp. WeWork means people who have like no job security, working 16 hours, like producing you know, content for other similar companies uh, along in the same right, vein. Right, went over this. It means small work. <laughs> <laughs> but but WeWork is is just a way. It's a way for sort of an increasingly alienated and dispossessed sort of globally transient working class to just like get continually get fucked, but they have to put a big smile on it. It's the same thing with this. Like also like on like what Hussein was saying as well. Like, so I, a lot of what I write about is about that kind of like more normy, like YouTube culture and stuff. And like, I have like, I know some teens. Um, (laughs) 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 And my like younger sister is like somebody who's like the classic case that she was like watching YouTube when she was like 13, 14. And now she's like 22. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now she's a fascist. Now she destroys SJW in debate. <laughs> but so, like, she, but she was saying, like, I was like, oh, what did you think of YouTube Rewind? Because she is not, like, she is very much the, like, watches beauty bloggers, watches, mm-hmm. like, normal vloggers, that kind of shit. And she was even like, oh, I fucking hated this video because it is, like, the most sanitized version yeah. of even, like, the most normie of content that YouTube has to offer. Like, Lisa Kashi or whatever the fuck, um, who, like, had the crying breakdown, was, like, the only person I think I recognized in that whole thing yeah um but like even then like even some of like the makeup bloggers that were on that they're like oh this person is only famous because they were big enough at the beginning and now because of the youtube algorithm when you search fucking like kim kardashian makeup tutorial her video is the one that's at the top and that's why she looks like she's like this enormous following even though nobody's actually that committed to her fan wise got it I mean that, that that's the, yeah that that that's interesting to me because it seems like we complain about other social media platforms making tone deaf things. Twitter being an example of just like some of the dumb decisions they make, but they like, didn't give Laura Lou Rebecca account. But I feel like it, one thing that's interesting about <laughs> about Twitter or about YouTube is that it does seem like Laura Luma doing the real kind of we work, pissing herself in front of the Twitter offices. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's like that. There, there's such an extent to which they're just not going to acknowledge that this stuff is like this is what your platform is really popular for. It's Jordan Peterson yeah. videos. Well, and like, and so, and I was saying this thing before we got on. Like, I was like a very early days, like really early, like 
they had maybe like less than 10,000 subscribers, maybe mm-hmm. like in like, you know, just in the hundreds, um, like H3 Productions s- subscriber. And they obviously went like off the fucking rails in the last couple of years. Um, but like they like Ethan Klein did like a, a reaction video to YouTube Rewind. And he essentially said like for obviously the wrong reasons, exactly what Hussein said, which he's like, this platform is PewDiePie. This platform is JonTron. Like, why don't we acknowledge like the amazing innovative work those guys have done this year. And that is true. And like, it's like, this was like the fucking suicide forest year. This was like the Logan Paul, Jake Paul year. Like before these guys, no one knew that you could film dead bodies in a forest in Japan, (laughs) but that the lid's been blown off. Yes, exactly. That's the fucking innovation we've seen this year and like teaching new things. All I can say is that I didn't know what the N word was until John Tron, (laughs) until I found out what John Tron was. And now I realize that it's very fundamental to our freedom of speech, and I am willing to travel all the way to international waters with a mic, with a with a megaphone, and say the N word, and no one can arrest me. But Hussein, <laughs> I was thinking about this too because you talked about this going to Canada and spending time with your cousin. That like you were exposed to the extent to which like gamer YouTube and like this weird politics, like right wing internet politics YouTube had such currency with kids. His he's like what seventeen, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I have cousins who are like in their teens and like they kind of fit the profile of, I imagine what a school shooter would probably be like in America. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 they spent a lot of time like, you know, playing video games. Um, and because of like, and this is, and this is also another thing, like video games are such a, is that your only fucking qualification <laughs> for school yes, shooter? Yes. This school shooter got hold of the most dangerous weapon of all, the N word. <laughs> I was going to say logic, but you beat me. <laughs> No one died, but a lot of people were very upset. I, like, uh, like, 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 a lot, like a lot of people, video games are really important um, generally because of how they integrate, of how, how they integrate with like YouTube, YouTube like more widely, right? So when they play video games, they're not just playing video games in the same way that like you know you used to play on PlayStation Two or whatever, but like you know it's now part of this like integrated online experience. So like you're streaming onto YouTube or onto Twitch while you're playing games, and like you know you're having these kind of political conversations while you're playing video games, right? So really for a lot of a lot of people like my cousins, like the times when they can really engage with like social politics is while they're playing video games, right? That's like the time when they talk about Back when you were playing cool borders, there was no way to say the N-word to people. <laughs> um you know, so like my co- video so- games are really important to understand the mechanics of how to carry out a school shooting. <laughs> well here's an example, right? So like my 17-year-old cousin is currently applying for university and he wants to study economics. And he wrote a personal statement that he sent to me. And part of his personal statement is really bizarre because it goes from just like a standard personal statement, I did this and this in school, to this massive rant about why the, why the wage gap doesn't exist and how it's all just feminist propaganda. And I was kind of saying to him, but like, there's absolutely no way that you can apply to like Manchester University with like a, with, with, a, with, a, with, with a personal statement that like you, you copied and pasted from one website and then you just decided to like rant on a saga of ACAD video for the other one. And then he, and then he rep- responds to me by saying, how did you know that I watched saga of ACAD videos? And I was just like, <laughs> come on, dude, come on, dude. Right. So then like, as I'm kind of interrogating this more, what I'm finding out is that like, he's been watching this videos in part because whenever he's been playing video games, um, you know, that's the stuff that they talk about. Those are the videos that they share. Um, you know, so just like the fact that that's his main exposure, like they don't really talk about this stuff at school or like in places where you should have those conversations because like you have teachers that are just not that equipped to do it. That means that like, their main source of political conversation comes from like, you know, fucking American incels 
um, in their like mid twenties who like just you know you know who who are just just like obsess about this shit all the time, right? That's really important. We need people to be getting their getting their politics and more reputable sources like the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I noticed it that I was to, to check to see how things looked on our show. I was uh, on an Android device used a, a, like a pretty one of the top ranked podcasting apps. And when I wasn't logged into my account, it just kept trying to make me listen to the Joe Rogan experience over and over again. Oh, yeah. And so it's just one of those things where it's like everywhere you go, you realize oh, just how gamed you, it is. Basically. So all the algorithms are like a boy, every girl dates in her early 20s. <laughs> What? Just trying to make you listen to the Joe Rogan experience all the time. Okay, so so basically that's actually what doing DMT is like. You just listen to the Joe Rogan experience over and over again. I mean, I mean, what we're what just, we're really describing here is dark energy, Riley, right? <laughs> Jesus. Right. Well, I, I just wonder because completely bold. You mentioned this, you, you mentioned this with your uh, with your uh, with your younger sister, Sarah. And I'm just wondering, like, if I were, for example, like, if I I, I briefly when I was in school taught uh, like an English class basically to, to undergraduates. If I was encountering people in like their late teens, early twenties who were into this, I would have no idea because I wouldn't know the references. Like, I'm I swear there's like an age threshold that either get YouTube or you don't, and I'm way above it. And I'm wondering, like, with with this stuff, do you feel like this is a thing that the only people who can explain it, who can really understand it, are people that like have proximity to it, or do you feel like there's there's a way to understand like whether or not this stuff is is being enabled by the companies? Um, you know, if you're as a as an outsider, basically. Well, like, I, and I'm sure Hussein would be able to talk on this as well, but like, I do feel like with YouTube, especially, it's almost like global warming. It's like you can do a kind of amount to like teach people about it, but it's like been going on for so fucking long and it's so fucking layered. Like the amount of effort it takes to explain, like, like Jordan Peterson, like, and his like all beef diet and like presumably rock hard shits like that is so hard to fucking unpack for someone like why that's like kind of fascist like bovril. it's so hard like <laughs> and it's so fucking well, it takes so much work and and I, I only understand because it's bubbled to the surface at this point like yeah. if Jordan Pearson was only like a couple million views per video I wouldn't have any idea who he was well yeah and it's like and instead like here he is like fucking like and he's like I mean seriously like it is so layered and it's been going on for so long like I remember again like not to keep talking about H3 Productions um like they were talking about how bad the youtube algorithm was like in like 2011 2010 where they were showing how like because they're both like the ethan and ela klein who run that account are both jewish and they were living in israel when they started it um and all of the like suggested accounts like back then like almost 10 years ago that were coming up were like all like jews did 9-11 accounts like even back then so like it really has been going on for so long and only now we're just like oh god the planet is a little bit warmer like maybe we should do something about it and they're like oh we'll die in like 50 years but like we can kind of delay it so it's more like 60 and i think that's the like exact same thing with youtube no one bothers to fact check these videos you know like we all know that jews didn't do 9-11 it was george bush (laughs) <laughs> they don't have the upper body strength. Not a Jew, it's, 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 it's kind of rooted in like internet culture generally. So like even in the pre YouTube days, it, you know, anyone who was like anyone who spent like time online regularly could kind of fight, were, you know, could easily find like anti-Semitic like shit anywhere they wanted to. Right. Or they could easily find like lots of really dark and quite dangerous racist stuff. And really the question would just be like, you know, there would be specific places where you could get them from. So like, you know, back in like the early 2000s, like 4chan was that place, right? Like no one really knew what 4chan was. And it was only if you were like a shit, you know, or an 8chan or whatever, like it was only if like you were like like an internet shithead who spent their life on e-bombs world that you would kind of find those places. The issue now is that like, because everyone has sort of like migrated to the same platforms, um, it becomes like, 
you know, whereas before you'd have to go and search out that content with the understanding that like, it's only in those spaces where that kind of like weird and dangerous shit can exist because you understand that like, these are places which have their own rules. Now it's like, okay, well, we're going to take all the really awful shit that you found on like Ebombs World and 4chan, like, you know, and we're just going to put it all on Twitter or we're going to put it all on YouTube. Um, and at the same time, you've got like big tech companies who want to monopolize the internet, right? So, you know, every social media company has put out reports recently about what they're going to be, what they're doing about hate speech or what they're doing about violence on social media platforms. Um, none of none of which are like particularly very introspective and all of which are kind of saying that as we continue to grow or as we continue to kind of like seize up kind of more significant parts of the internet, like we're going to add these, you know, we're going to add a couple more like safety, safety, um, you know, measures, but like nothing really substantial. And in the meantime, we're going to go take like jollies in fucking Myanmar, um, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, where we're just not going to bust for like two months and record it all on our Apple phone <laughs> or Apple watches. <laughs> right. But you know, I do also think, Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, that, that, that's really, it. it's kind of like one of the big problems is the fact that like everyone sort of exists on the same platforms and it is opening up this fundamental question about like, well, how can everyone exist on the same place and also be safe and, you know, stuff like that. So for my, my feeling is that like, unless you can find a way to kind of go back to old models of how the internet used to work, where everything used to be like a bit more decentralized and decompartmentalized, like I'm not really sure what the solution is because you're right. Like this has been like an ongoing problem for such a, such a long time, but in many ways, like a lot of us who spend a lot of time online have just kind of come to accept that this is the world that we're in. And that also like brings up this big gulf between people who, you know, like, you know, fucking boomers who like don't understand how the internet works. Right. And they're the ones who are like most susceptible to this shit. So I, I don't know. Well, and also like, I think the other thing as well, like for me at least is that you see these guys and it kind of goes on to the fact that like, we're only just now looking at it, even though it's been going on for fucking ever. Like, they've learned how to package themselves. Like they've learned like Jordan Peterson is like the best example. And like, I mean, to be honest, like people like fucking Sam Harris are too, but like you, like they've learned how to make themselves like to stay right on the edge of that line where they're like, you can't say I'm overtly racist. Like I didn't say the N word. Like I didn't say anything like about again, Jews doing nine 11. Like, so they've learned how to like use the language and game the system where like then tech companies can like, pretend like they have plausible deniability and they're like yeah. well this like he's just saying like yeah, he's just challenging beef, conventional like, wisdom yeah like he doesn't say you have to have a rock hard shit he just says sometimes they have like hmm. it's just like it's that kind of stuff yeah. and like it really it really helps them get away and that's where i'm kind of like there's no hope we're all gonna die well, but also they make so much money off of it too i mean exactly it's so monetized yeah the thing is like it's like if if I'm going to do my I'm going to do the, the Marxist thing again where I say though here's what he would say about that is that there is no such thing as an institution that isn't an expression of some power relationship right so you could say the courts are not actually neutral arbiters of uh, right and wrong or the law or whatever they exist to protect property relations in the same way none of these algorithms that are sort of causing people to sort of to fall asleep watching a gaming video and wake up like yeah, seeing over white nationalism. No, no juice you know, to work on 9-11. Yeah. None, none of that is neutral either. It's not just saying, well, we're going to give people the content that they that we think they like. Like it, it ultimately does reveal the fact that these companies do tend to have, even if they state that they have a socially liberal bias, they are fundamentally reactionary entities. And by catering to what people, what just what people want in terms of what captures their attention, right? Like 
I've said I've said before many times, like fascism is a kind of politics that is attention grabbing because it organizes like people around having their attention grabbed and being excited. And so, of course, any platform that aims to monopolize people's attention and monetizes itself by monopolizing their attention, and it's the one place you can go for videos, well, what it's going to do is, of course, it's going to direct people towards fascism because that's just the most profitable. And it just sort of makes sense. And so the fact that they had a a whole video about shit that inspired them to do like a, a make a makeup tutorial for the rest of us or whatever is just make people so furious. Yeah, it's like because I want my racism, oh, I want man. my calipers, I want my SJWs getting owned by well, Ben Shapiro, yeah, and it's that's, like that's the thing. They that's want, what they go on YouTube yeah, for. They as, wanted that. As Lenin and once the, said, they claim that this milk hotel is neutral, but no <laughs> milk hotel could truly be neutral. It is in fact counter-revolutionary. Oh my god. <laughs> So that, but yeah, that's well, Nate. You think you're sort of half right, which is yeah. There, a lot of people were saying, "Put PewDiePie on the video," I mean, as though the video matters. Uh, it's it's just kind. Of, it's again, it's just the we work summer camp of videos. Um, that doesn't really matter. But it's the, then the rest of us are saying, "No, be honest about what you are." That's why yeah. everyone hated it. The Nazis hated it, and everyone else hated it. Also, I think the four people who actually go on YouTube for makeup tutorials probably liked it. I also. If I have a year-end YouTube recap, it's that that woman went and shot up the YouTube office because she was furious that they stopped her from monetizing her like insane. If I remember correctly, they're like insane conspiracy theory makeup videos. Like they were a combination of. Was the it form. like she's? It's like get ready with me while I tell you yeah. about like. something along those lines. Yeah. But she was she was literally. I mean, that was they they demonetized her video, and so she went to their office and, yeah. and basically shot. If I remember correctly, she she wounded some people in the office and then killed herself. What's well, the other and problem? Like, is it's a private company that is able to then that is able to then determine the profitability of a whole bunch of other businesses it becomes like a sort of super I, business. I also think that people who, are, who don't work in digital marketing or haven't had any proximity to that don't realize how much people were up until recently making on YouTube, like how much money monetized videos were making and like how much incentive there was to like go with whatever was going to get the most eyeballs. And apparently as we've learned from the internet, what gets eyeballs is racism and nudes. And basically like they can't do one, but they can definitely do the other. I was just thinking actually, it's kind of weird how like different the Nazis are now to how the Nazis, like the Nazis now are all like YouTube bedroom dwelling types. And it just made me think of like, I remember when I was doing GCSE history and there was all this like weird pathologizing of Hitler. Like what made Hitler into Hitler? Was it that he got gassed in the war? And I'm just imagining a version of events where it's like Hitler would never have done it if he'd have just been able to say the N word on a gaming stream (laughs) a few times. He would have gotten out of I his system. I guarantee that if you if you set up a Twitch account and you said that, people would probably agree with you. Wait, could that be my side um, hustle? Could I finally make some money? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing we say. Also, we said, yo, yo, boomers don't understand this, and they're the ones who are trying to legislate it. You know, so th- this is this is someone who's like. You know, Senator Tex Avery just you know getting rooting and tooting mad because he thinks that YouTube is so sort of shadow banning uh, Diamond and Silk or whatever, right? Like, well, it's like fucking Chuck Astley who like has yeah. been tweeting for like ten years and still doesn't know how to like fucking <laughs> like hit send. Like <laughs> seriously, so, no, but so none of these people I was actually just know how it Shadow works. Bannon, Dark Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, dark, an even darker <laughs> Bannon. Damn, wow. he was able to steal an Antarctic really like Steve Bannon, but like we're wearing Joker makeup. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sorry, that's Milo. So that's too twisted for me. I can't. I can't be dealing with that. And the thing is, the legislator, the legislators, like what they what they have done is they've they've basically identified the problem as ah, there's a of course there's an SJW lib bias. And so the um, 
uh, the, so the, the SJW tech companies, Bush, the lesser known brother. <laughs> so the, the tech companies have essentially all just been ke- been pandering more and more to these you know, to these like again to these right wingers who are just demanding that they get more and more fascist. Well, yeah, because I mean they, they don't operate in good faith ever, yeah. and but Google has to apparently wants to it thinks it can be credible by being like, well, we're just listening to both sides when one side is very obviously yeah. manipulating. So anyway, I think like Sarah said, it's like climate change. It's uh, it's it's bad. It's going to get worse. And our legislators are just making the problem even worse. Well, there it but is. Hey, like, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a future where we all live in a WeWork. Um, yeah. Where we're <laughs> cool. all protected, where we're all protected from like, you know, uh, with every word except for the N word. Um, uh, perfect. Yeah. And it'll be great. So everything will be fine. Listeners, you can choose whose ending you preferred. Uh, my vision, where we all die, or Hussein's, uh, where we all die inside. All right. All right. Perfect. I think that's that about tears it. We've been recording for quite a while. Shall we all go home to our families? Yes, please. Okay. Cool. All right. Sarah, thank you very yeah, much you, for Sarah. coming on today. Yeah, it's been... It's actually been horrible. <laughs> Sweet. Perfect. Uh, you can find Sarah on Twitter at, uh, at Sarah Manavis or Manavis. Good job, like, Riley. Seriously, he thank was you. He was going to tell her English his, person that it, was. I got it. I got it wrong. It's again. always the Manavis. Manavis. Yes, tip yes. your hat at the phone. It's really not fucking hard, guys. Uh, in the meantime, we have a Patreon which you can support. Uh, Five dollars a month, you get a second episode. Uh, you can also commodify your descent with a t-shirt from a little comrade. Maybe get the entire script of the YouTube Rewind 2018 video printed on it. Give Edie something to do. Please don't do that. And uh, finally, uh, you can find our theme song. Oh, we song. have merch now as well, apart from the t-shirts. Yeah, we, we are, we were, we'll link it in the show notes. We've made some some festive t- Trash Future themed mugs for soup or uh, other kinds of soup, uh, which you can purchase on our Teespring. So I'll link to that as that's, well. That's news to me. Yeah, well, um, always busy, always yeah, motivating. Always motivating. We're all business jokers. Uh, and then finally, you, you can listen to our theme song. It's called Here We Go by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. It's very good. I suggest you listen to it early and often. Anyways, uh, that's it, everybody. Good night.